Welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that's perfectly balanced as all things should be. My name is Isaac Edlin, I am your host tonight, and with me I have two very special people. The first one that I'm going to introduce is my fellow Infinity Bro, Zane. How are you doing tonight, Zane? Yes, sir. I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here. Uh, ready to get into some shenanigans tonight. Shenanigans. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Okay. Okay. Well, the second person that I am going to introduce introduce is a very special guest that we have to the Infinity Bros podcast. His name is Tony T. Welcome, Tony, from the Nerd of Godcast. Hello, fellas. I don't believe I was properly warned for the shenanigans that were going to be happening. I would have worn different <laughs> shoes. So, mm. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. You, you got to have the right shoes um, on. It's all about, it's all about the accessories. Yeah. If you're wearing like a pair yeah. of flip-flops and you get into the wrong kind of shenanigans, I mean, you're going to get held up a real Things quick. are going to get sour, and they're going to get sour with a swiftness. <laughs> hey, I'm honored to be here, though. For Thank sure. you for the invitation. It is, uh, it's great to be with you guys because you, you guys are a great podcast and a great community, and I feel like I've elevated myself to a new level just being in your presence. Aw, that's so nice of you to say. Uh, we've been trying to get you on the podcast for a long time. Yeah, I've been ducking you, so and I don't I'm glad know how you finally I ended up it... getting trapped into it this time, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. schedules no, are madness no, it's an honor to yeah for real man it's an honor to have you on so definitely excited uh we've got a big slate of things to talk about so today. i hope you guys peed first that's all i'm saying <laughs> first of all i want to talk to you guys first how are you guys doing this week is there anything special going on in your lives zane we know that everything in your life is special so why don't you give us a little uh <laughs> little lowdown on what's been happening this week i mean that was like it was a compliment, but it was very underhanded. So you know, I, I'm used to that I around try to here. Be no, as it's... underhanded as possible when it comes to dealing with you, Zane. So <laughs> you know, what? I I respect that attitude. It's uh, it'll get you far in life. <laughs> no, <laughs> good to know. No, my week's been uh been good. Uh, just worked the beginning of the week, made through all that. But it was an odd week a little bit because once you found out that the PS5 pre-orders were coming out. I felt like a little kid. It's just like, oh my goodness, it's it's get ready for this. You gotta get that pre order in. And like the night before, I was just like, I need to actually like go to sleep because well, Tony, you don't I work overnight, oh. so I'm used to always being up all night. Yeah, actually, we both and, do. weird, weird. This yeah, is the overnight podcast, including Tony T. Yeah, oh, so that's why we're recording yeah. so late. You guys are used to this. This is, <laughs> yes. this is your yes. prime yes. time. This is exactly. <laughs> yep. This is our time mm-hmm. to shine. But yeah, no, like. I was the night before, and I was just like, I actually need to go to sleep for this so I could get up in time to do this because um, Sony was doing a, a drawing. They were randomly drawing people's names to secure your spot through Sony to be able to pre-order a PS5, and I was lucky enough to be selected as one of the people that got to do that, and they're like, okay, you got to be sign in at noon, go through all these hoops, and then wait your turn, and then we'll let you pre-order it. So I was like, oh, man. Don't mess up. Got to have everything out in front of me, ready to go right at noon. And I was able to get it, get it pre-ordered. So that was, 
That was my excitement well, of the and week. And I saw on Twitter, uh, Tony, that you secured a PS5 as well. I did, yeah. Through uh, through many hoops I had to jump, and it was an awkward transaction. I was, I, I'm was i a pastor at a church in Orlando, and it was our Wednesday night Bible study. We're doing it virtually online in an environment not dissimilar to this one we're in right now. And uh, they, I got a notification on my phone that they were then live at Walmart.com right as I was beginning my teaching. So I'm trying to be clever and cool, <laughs> multitask. Oh, no. Like the cool cat that I am, and uh, I'm literally looking into one screen and trying to tell people about the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, <laughs> while on the other screen trying to secure a PlayStation 5. And uh, I did fail. Walmart.com, I got in the cart, got to pay for it, and it said, oh, sorry, we're sold out. It only took about 90 seconds. So uh, I was frustrated. Wow, that is nuts. Later on in the evening, Target came through for me where Walmart failed. So See, around here, uh, Target is the superior... Uh, because Target's based in Minneapolis here, and we're we're both in Minnesota, so Target is the uh, the store of choice. Oh yeah, it's like your embassy. For most yeah, definitely. People. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's great that uh, Target was able to come through for you. I'm I'm really happy about that. I I haven't gotten one yet. So <laughs> feeling a little. It's okay. I, I wasn't actually. So I'm I'm planning on getting it um, very soon after launch. I just didn't have the the cash in the bank uh, this week to do the pre order. So I was like. I'm just going to be, when it comes out, I'm just going to be searching like store to store to get it ASAP, basically. See, that's why so. I was desperate to get one online, because I did not want to have to stand outside of a GameStop like a schmo. <sighs> right. Like, I don't even know. Right. Are GameStops even I a know. thing anymore? I, I <laughs> Kind of. Yeah. I didn't know if they were one you know, of the victims story, of the pandemic. I heard that GameStop is actually selling the, uh, well, obviously they're selling both of them, but it's kind of like funny that they're selling the digital only uh, versions of both consoles, because it's like, oh, it's kind of putting you out of business a little mm-hmm. bit, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, interesting. And it's a strange thing. GameStop will do this thing where they they kind of know that they got you, or at least they think they got you. If you ever try to get a rare or in demand system from them, they'll be like, "Oh, we don't have any of the systems, but we do have bundles of the systems. So if you want to buy one for two hundred dollars more, we'll give you a crappy game, an extra controller, and some three dollar case." And ooh, look at this! You want to? It's like they mandatory Spicy. upsell you, and it's like uh, GameStop. This is why. This is why you're going out of business. <laughs> this yeah, is why. Yeah. The Funko Pops can't yep. save you any longer. <laughs> you are correct, unfortunately. All right, so we have uh, we have a couple things to get to. One of them being uh, PS5. But before we get to that, we have a little surprise segment that I didn't tell you about, Tony. Oh. Yeah, it's a it's a segment that we uh, came up with a couple weeks ago when we had Mike, uh, stay at home gamer, on. It's called um, the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh-oh. Okay, shenanigans so, right off yeah, the bat. This is shenanigans. This is the shenanigans Here's starting the shenanigans. right now. So uh, on our on our uh, show, the Infinity Bros podcast, we like to interview our guests a little bit with uh, kind of a surprise uh, running of the Infinity Gauntlet, okay. uh, as you may like to call it. So basically, I have a question from. Well, most of the Infinity Bros. I didn't get to all of them, but most of them uh, gave me a question to ask you, and they are totally random. They uh, are not all nerdy questions, but uh, just help us get to know you a little bit uh, better. So we're going to go ahead and ask you those questions right now. Do I have any lifelines? Can I phone a friend? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess we could we could make an exception. Uh, usually, we don't allow that, but uh, Scott is the only one that you can okay, call. Okay, fair can enough. Only yes, call Scott only now, Scott. So. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, the first question I have for you is from Infinity Bro Max. 
He says, if you were a Power Ranger, which color would you be and why? Um, I, green. I'd be the green Power Ranger for his mad flute skills. Ooh, yep. That is that is the... Yeah, I, I always thought the green Power Ranger was cool because you have that, like, which way is he coming from? Is he good? Is he evil? You want him to be good? It's, uh, there's, there's something interesting about that. So uh, I confess, I only ever watched the first season of the Power Rangers. I think when it was still actually Power Rangers, before it was like Power Rangers in space, Neo, Zoo, Transformer, Beast War action. <laughs> So, uh, but I'm going green, green all day, every day. Okay. Okay. I think he'd be pleased with that answer. Yeah. Max is our Power Ranger aficionado on the Infinity Bros podcast. So yeah, I think it'll, that'll, that'll pass. Thanks. That'll be acceptable. And thanks for being with us uh, tonight, my Max. Next I appreciate that. <laughs> my next one is uh, from Infinity Bro Mark. And Mark is our, is our edgy uh, uh, member of the Infinity Bros. Uh, he, he throws some real curveballs, but uh, here's his question. What would your Dorito flavor be if you were... Ch- Sorry, excuse me. That is worded a little funny. What would be your Dorito flavor if you were chosen to make a new flavor? Oh, oh. So I couldn't bring back an old flavor because if I, if I could do that, I'd bring back Jumpin' Jack Doritos in a heartbeat. My favorite burrito flavor, or burrito, Dorito, Dorito, Tostito, my favorite corn chip flavor ever. Uh, and no, if I could make a, a flavor of Dorito, that's fantastic. What a, great, a great question. question. Actually, that's, that's much Mark, better than I expected. Mark, you have Mark, blown honestly, my mind. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Mark, I'm going to go with a, 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 and it may already be a thing, but I'm going to go with like a chili con queso. Ooh. Oh, that sounds amazing. A little cheesy, beefy action there. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm all in on pretty much all Dorito flavors. Uh, sweet, spicy chili is my personal favorite, but that sounds really good. All right. So. Um, I, I live to give. All right. My next question is from Infinity Bro Jarrett. And his question is, how dare you? That's his question. How dare you? Uh, poor upbringing, <laughs> mostly. Oh, okay. Foul disposition and the manners of a troll, Jared. I'm sorry. I, 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 I know it doesn't excuse it, but here we are. Just love me for who I am. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, my question. Actually, Zane, do you want to go next or do you want me to go? Yeah, I can go next. All right. Go for it. Hit me, Zane. All right, Tony. If you had to describe yourself as one topping on a pizza, what topping would you be and why? Ricotta cheese. Oh, we're getting fancy. Ricotta cheese because I'm creamy and I'm smooth and I'm somewhat off-putting if you judge me based on texture. <laughs> Fantastic uh, answer. Uh, is, I love it. That is amazing. Okay. All right. Uh, and these, All right. these are the first time I'm hearing these questions. So if there's a better answer, this is what I have off the top of no, my head, kids. Was, I'm so sorry. That was sorry. incredible. That was a great off the cusp <laughs> answer. And my, my question is not as cool as Zane, so I'm sorry about that. But my question is... What uh, Hogwarts house do you identify with, and why would that be? Okay, so this is a great question, and I I think this is the one that you're going to find a lot of meat on the bone here, because I've never watched or read the Harry Potter series. (gasps) I know, because I'm a fundamentalist Christian, and I thought that's Harry Potter is how Satan enters into (laughs) young hearts, you know? Okay, Zane and I know better than any of the other Infinity Bros about that, because Zane was homeschooled, and I grew up in a very conservative Christian household, so we get that. Yeah, so you get it. Uh, no, I saw the first. I saw the first movie, and I think I went to the theater to see the second movie only because they had the trailer for Star Wars Episode Two before it. So, ah, uh, so I, I never really had a, a vested interest. But, but as it would turn out, this very week, um, I had a conversation with our church secretary, who's a big Harry Potter fan, and I said, if you had to guess what 
Harry Potter house I was a part of. We had this conversation. Uh, I said, what, what do you think I would be? Because I took one of those little tests, one of those little BuzzFeed, uh, yep. who would mm-hmm. you be? Because I don't know. And you know what it turned out I was, honestly? A perfect match of all of them. Really? Isn't that wow. crazy? Actually, that it was is. it was it was a little bit less on the Slytherin side, but everything else okay. was completely equal. So uh, just a, a a little downplayed on the villainous aspect, but but a complete split. So I asked her. I said, "Tie break for me. How do you know?" And she said, "The Sorting Hat will let you choose." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then it comes down to which one you want to be in the most. <laughs> yeah, she said Ravenclaw, and I ah. I'll take her word for it. Mm-hmm. I, I personally am a Ra- Ravenclaw, so I would welcome you into into my house. I think my brother. Zane, you're Hufflepuff. I'm Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yo. What makes and... you a Hufflepuff, Zane? A- explain this to me. I'm I'm an outsider looking in. Um, how would I go with this? From it's more so because that I'm not necessarily the unsung hero, but it's just, I'm the one that's gonna go along with what's going on. That it's kind of the in the background, your support. Like, is I'm this not like necess- a DISC profile? Are you like the compliant one? Not necessarily in the compliance, but like it's kind of is that unsung hero. Like in the whole movies, like Neville is that unsung hero. Like, true, true. He's the one that he's not getting the most screen yeah. time, but everyone looks at him and you're like, yeah. like you really behind the scenes pulled a lot of the characters through stuff. Kind of the glue that keeps uh, kind of the glue this stuff together. Right. So what Tony, is Cedric Diggory? Yeah, Cedric Diggory is a Hufflepuff as well. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All so right. I see that. That's cool. As uh, Ravenclaws, uh, yeah, we kind of are the cunning, like we got the book smarts type of thing going for us, uh, okay. and knowledgeable. Like we're, we're like solving puzzles, and we like the kind of mental challenge and stuff like that. I guess I, that actually originally Zane a couple weeks ago, whenever we did this, I totally thought you would have been a Ravenclaw with me because I feel like you've got that same it's, same kind of mindset. But it's both of those. Yeah, it's like those were always kind of like the the one and two. But... Go ahead and be a Wizarding World double agent, man. No one's gonna stop. Yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you're a triple agent, Tony. So I mean, I'm I saying. guess uh, yeah. <laughs> I so I guess a, it's I have a place to crash in all the houses. <laughs> awesome. Well, I would say you passed the Infinity Gauntlet with Man. flying colors. Absolutely. I, I'm very satisfied with all of your answers. So uh, thank, you. thank you for for uh, running that gauntlet with absolutely no problem. So can I put that down as I did some running this week? Yes. 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 All right. You can, yes. you can use that as your exercise for this week. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. So we're going to get into the nerd news. So this is our segment that we talk about everything that's going on in the world of nerds, geeks, uh, whatever you want to call it, which we definitely are. Um, so the first big thing that we've already kind of touched on is the PS5 uh, reveal that happened on Wednesday. So we talked about the Xbox reveal um, last week in our live show, um, and the Xbox reveal was almost a little bit of a shocker. They came out with the Xbox Series X, which is their kind of big beefy console at 499, and then their Xbox Series S, which is almost a surprise to just about everybody at 299, which was really very reasonable. Um, and so, I mean, PS5 has kind of been, I think PS5, correct me if I'm wrong, Zane, but last gen, they kind of undercut uh, Xbox when they made their reveal um and 
I, I wouldn't. I guess undercut is the wrong word, but they waited for for Microsoft to make their Xbox announcement before they announced stuff, and they kind of played this waiting game again this time. And they, I think that honestly, there was probably some change that went into Sony's plans after the Xbox Series S was announced. So the PS5 versions uh, that they came out with are the disc drive version, which is going to go for four ninety nine. And the digital version, which is going for three ninety nine, which is a that's a solid hundred dollar difference, which I was honestly shocked by. I thought the, I thought it was going to be a fifty dollar difference. I was probably going to go for the disc drive, and when this came out, I was like, oh my goodness, uh, yeah, hundred dollars. Isaac, you borrow two games from a friend, and you've already paid for it. That's I mean, yeah, you're definitely not wrong about that. So here's here's my thoughts. I was like, I was planning on getting the disc drive. $100 difference, I was like, well, I could get the digital one now, play the games that they have available and the games that you know I am I have in my library that are hopefully going to transfer over slash the PlayStation Plus collection that they'll have available, and then upgrade later when they come out with a whatever PS5 Pro or something like that, and then get the disk drive then. That was kind of my thoughts behind it, but... Um, yeah, so what were you guys shocked at this news, Tony? What, why don't you go ahead first? Yeah, you know, I was I was stunned by the price because I really thought they could have charged anything they wanted to. They could have gone seven hundred dollars, and people would have been just as frenetic to purchase them because it's a PlayStation, and PS4 was without question the dominant console for this console generation. And and they nailed it. You mentioned last time they had a, a launch and an announcement. They did wait until after Xbox came out, and that was pretty much what killed Xbox because all of the things that they thought, well, all of your discs are going to be locked to the console, and then PlayStation had a field day saying, this is the process by which you share games with a friend, and you hand them the disc, and that's it. I mean, they, they just uh, really came out with, um, this is why PlayStation is going to be the system to own this generation, and when people went out and bought their systems, they put their dollars right behind that one. So uh, they, they did, they came out afterwards. They didn't have a, a sterling list of launch titles, which is okay. I mean, most systems don't. PlayStation doesn't have a history of having a, a robust library at launch. But just knowing all the IPs that Sony has, uh, this is going to be an amazing console generation, especially now that you're seeing some of these games coming out that are going to be console exclusives, like Final Fantasy 16. That's nuts. I thought we were past those days. And uh, boy... Just, just going to be a stellar time to be a, a gamer, but especially a PlayStation gamer. Yeah, absolutely. And we're on the Infinity Bros podcast. We're all, I mean, you could basically call us Sony ponies. I mean, we a lot of us <laughs> own Xboxes, Switches, and all that stuff. But PlayStation is our main consoles, and and we honestly, I think probably most of us will be getting a PlayStation Five. Are you plan Zane? Are you planning on getting an Xbox on launch? Not on launch. I'll pick up one eventually, but probably not until uh, Halo Infinite comes out. Because that's about the only thing I really care about having an Xbox for. Right. Yeah, that was kind of my thought too. Was I mean, I with that two ninety nine uh, price on the Series right. S, like I I wasn't even considering getting an Xbox, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, right. You're like, <laughs> oh, that's not bad. I kind of like. Help that. me get caught up on this. What's the difference that the two hundred dollar difference there with the Series X? Okay, so the Series X uh, is basically all of the specs that they've been touting from the beginning. It's got the whatever twelve teraflops. I'm, I, Zane, help me out on the on the specs because I'm not the spec guy. But basically, the Series S is a a lower version of that. It'll still be able to run, um, I believe, 
1440p i don't think it's going to be able to run 4k or maybe it was 8k um it's not native 4k so basically the s is just more of a budget version so it's tooled down from what you're getting on the x so it's, so it's not it as has, powerful as the yep, series x it, it's not as powerful as the series x and that's why it was interesting that even playstation when they came out with their price point because so the S is less powerful than the PS. Yeah, I mean, not the PS, but it's less powerful than the X, but it's also significantly less powerful than what you're getting on the PS5. So, I mean, it's $100 right. cheaper than even the digital version. Right. But when you look at like the specs, like, yes, it's next gen. So it, stuff is going to look better on it. But when you just look at it on paper, it's actually not that much more powerful than what you have current gen. It, is it, is it designed S. to be a, tr a transitional console? I mean, something that um, kind of you, you, you dip your toes in the next gen? Yes. Like, if you don't want to spend all kinds of money to go right to the X, that's mm -hmm. kind of what this was. It's just kind of that in-between. It's cheaper. I believe it's all digital uh, also. And it's just a... It, it's more like a price point of just jumping in if you don't want to fully commit to spending that huge, you know, the bigger price point on an X. So it's kind of the... Wow. And then, well, they haven't talked anything about their third console. Some people are speculating it might be in between the two, but they're supposed to be coming out with a third console, but we don't have a ton of information on that right now. I think it's supposed to be the Series V, if I remember correctly. What are your thoughts on that? Because that seems to be, to me, a little... I don't know, underhanded? You're going to get a console that maybe... It certainly won't last the duration of this console generation. It's just going to be overshadowed by everything eventually. Right. Like, I understand on the the price point of just, like, getting people into the next gen. But ultimately, like, people are going next gen because they want these more powerful systems. Sure. Like, I don't, I don't want necessarily something that's just, oh, it's only a little bit better. But right. I feel like they're kind of doing the opposite of what they did when the Xbox, uh, the One S came out. So, like, you had the Xbox One. They were like, hey, we're going to make the S. So, it's, you know, the smaller, the slim, if you will. Um, but like you already had the Xbox one and then the Xbox one X out. So they already had like their big, the fancy consoles. Then they made a cheaper one. It's interesting that they're flipping this now and uh, right off the bat making this cheaper console. Um, I know another thing that, uh, another one of my buddies have talked about, I wonder how much of this too, it just, it's going to add to the confusion of people buying the wrong consoles. <laughs> so much confusion. Because it's oh Series God. X, Series S, and then if Series and V comes out. previous like, gen, like, <laughs> just, ugh, man. How many people bought confusing. Wii U's thinking they were buying a, <laughs> an accessory for their Wii, right? <laughs> for real. Right. Yeah. I, and so that, I, the, the thing is, and I'm not, I don't knock Xbox. I think play the console that fits you and the one that has the games that you like or buy them all, like, right? You know, right. We, nobody says once you buy one, the others are locked out. Get what you like, but... I don't understand, like, when Xbox, when Microsoft has this nasty history of as soon as a new console comes out, they're like, and the last one's dead to us. And Sony doesn't do that. Sony, I, I, what's the duration of time between this and the PS4 coming out? It's about six or seven years? Seven, I think it's about seven, yeah. But Sony has a PlayStation history of supporting their consoles for over 10 years. So if you're a PS4 owner and you don't jump on board right now, you're still going to be in good shape. They've already announced that some of the big games that are right. going to be coming out for the PS5 yeah. mm -hmm. are still going to come out for the PS4 as well. If you want to play Horizon Zero Dawn on your PS4, that's going to be a reality. And that, to me, says you can buy a console and know that it's going to last you you're not buying something temporary or buying something right. just to kind of float you to the next level play where you are and enjoy yourself and god bless sony 
On the flip side of that, I've bought digital-only consoles from Sony before. I'm looking at you, PSP Go, and it doesn't work. I mean, that's maybe at the time it didn't work, but it's just it's just a disaster because you you end up getting pigeonholed into paying whatever they want to charge you for games. If you want to buy digital games on the Nintendo Switch, try buying a first-party game on Nintendo Switch when it goes on sale because yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. So. Yep. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Uh, real quick, before we kind of move on here, what was, okay, so there are several games announced as well that will be available on launch. So what was your guys' favorite game that you saw that you would like to play when you guys get your PS5s? Zane, why don't oh, you come go first? On. I mean, I suppose right off the bat, the first one is Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yeah, there's there's not another answer, dude. Like, yeah, I, yeah. There's, that game looks amazing. I mean, <laughs> of their, of the, the Sony's presentation they had, I mean, it was just a teaser, but I'm already all in on the new God of War because I absolutely oh, love God too. of War. Like, it was just a teaser, but I was already freaking out. But just from what we had on um, the first Spider-Man game, like, like how can you not go Miles Morales Seriously. here? Like, and we're getting th- a remastered be... version of, of Spider-Man PS4, too, which is right, amazing. Right. Like, I, I, I'm excited for that as well because I've been kind of itching to replay that again. So I can't wait to do that on the PS5. And just be able to have the graphics for the, that on both and just relive that experience again. I'm all about it. I'm concerned with the Miles Morales. It has a lower price point than the other games. It's $20 cheaper than most of the other PS5 games. I wonder why. Is it is it a glorified DLC? I, and this is a serious question. So there was a lot of rumors going about that when Miles Morales was initially announced. And basically what Sony kind of... It was a big, it was a big mess, kind of along along with a lot of other announcements they've had in the past months. But basically, what they ended up clarifying was that it is a standalone game, but it's just going to be shorter than Spider Man PS4. So I don't know what that means as far as hours of gameplay, but I mean, if it's a standalone game, and for me personally, if I'm getting Spider Man PS4 uh, remastered on PS5, I mean, I would just buy that too. So. Um, I, I'm okay with the lower price point. I'm hoping we get as much out of it as possible, obviously, but yeah, it does seem to be like, it's going to be a shorter game just based on that price. If point, they make so. it shorter by cutting out the Mary Jane missions, I have no problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, so I bought, um, on launch day, I bought Miles Morales, Spider-Man. And uh, then I went back and I saw the deluxe edition and I'm like, I'm going to buy the deluxe edition too. So I'll return the other one when it comes in to, to uh, target. But the deluxe edition for $20 more comes with the code for the remastered Spider-Man. There you go. Nice. Yeah. So that, that comes packed in with it. And that's a pretty robust package right yes, there. Yes. Yes. I would agree for sure. That is awesome. I definitely am excited for PS5. Um, but we have lots of other things to get to. So I'm going to <laughs> move us on here. Uh, Tony, I know you're a Star Wars fan. You mentioned that to me earlier this week. Uh, yeah, and we cannot go uh, a podcast without mentioning the opening of The Mandalorian in October, especially since they came out with their Season 2 trailer. Um, I'm assuming both of you guys saw this trailer. I mean, it looks fantastic. There's been a ton of castings that have been coming out over the past year for um, Season 2. Um, we're getting uh, we're getting Cara du- or Gina Carano back as Cara Dune, uh, and uh, Carl Weathers back as Grief Karga, and then Giancarlo Esposito. That's who I was trying to say on the other podcast, Zane. I think you knew that, but we just couldn't think of his name. 
We just call him Gus Fring where I come from. <laughs> Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka Tano. Uh, Tamura Morrison is going to be playing Boba Fett. And uh, is that it? That might be it. I don't remember if there's another one. But seriously, like those announcements that happened earlier this year has just elevated everybody's hype for the show, especially us and the Infinity Bros. And that trailer looked fantastic. Um, Tony, what was your uh, first initial thoughts on the trailer? Yeah, they. I, I could not wait for this to come back. The minute I saw it, I was totally jazzed. And The Mandalorian was one of the greatest Star Wars-flavored surprises to come across my life in the past year. And uh, I, I just I, I couldn't say enough about how fully realized that world seemed to be. Uh, although it felt fresh and new, it also felt very familiar. The character of The Mandalorian, you're thinking that quiet, he doesn't talk, lone gunman. How interesting can this possibly be? And yet I followed every single footstep with absolute interest and obsession with this character and the world around him. Uh, and, and and I love the way they did the story arc in the first one because even what would seem like one-off insignificant characters ended up becoming very important to the to the world and that they're bringing them back and we get more adventures if, if it even kind of steps into the same realm as the first one. I'm completely on board. And that trailer just had me pumping my fist so excited for October. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Zane, what is your most uh, anticipated thing for season two of The Mandalorian? Yeah, I just, uh, like, I know, uh, just to give, uh, make Mark smile here, one of the characters you forgot to mention was Sasha Banks, who's a WWE star. Ah, and yes. So, She's the man, that. right? Uh, no, Sasha Banks is her own uh, <laughs> own character. Um no, is, man- is she? Who's the man in, in wrestling? Is that not that's, Sasha Banks? No, that's Becky Lynch. <laughs> oh, okay. I stopped watching wrestling when the NWO went away. <laughs> hey, when you're NWO, you're NWO for life. <laughs> right. I, I respect that. But no, like, yeah, it's just kind of echoing everything Tony said. Like, it's the season one. You know, drew you in, brought you in, and you were just like. There's such a well, like, fleshed out. Yeah, it was like everything's familiar yet different. And they just set so much up up for your next season. And especially now, like, oh, we're going to bring in Ahsoka Tano. We're going to bring in, you know, Boba Fett. And then there's the, the hints of what we got from that trailer that possibly, like, setting up stuff with, like, Jedi, the sex. Because you know that, you know, the baby Yoda... Obviously is has that, force is that powers. Jedi S E C T S. Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm like just making sure a, a sect. Like, <laughs> That's what I was chuckling. At. I was like, Jedi sex. What? What, are, what, what are you show? What show am I podcast? on right now? <laughs> Infinity Bros. After Dark. Right. <laughs> six out of six. Perfectly balanced. <laughs> oh, but no, because that like the rumors on that like is that where they're gonna go for? Is he gonna have to try to search out? you know any of these jedi might be in hiding or people that even weren't full-fledged jedi anymore but who are force sensitive and then i think that begins you know also are they going to take inspiration of what you had from jedi fallen order like how that whole thing like you didn't have jedi anymore but yet you still followed cal kestis around like is that kind of the the feel that season two is going to take zane let me ask you this you sound like you really know what you're talking about do you watch all the clone wars 
Yes, I love okay. the Clone Wars. I'm I didn't because I hated the prequels. So Clone Wars were just immediately eh, no, no <laughs> thanks. But I started watching the Clone Wars because I was told if you're going to watch Mandalorian season two, you're going to want to watch the Clone Wars. Yep. So I did, and I'm, I just started season seven yesterday. Oh. Dude, so nice. I'm, I'm, I'm powering through it. I'm ready for it. And I, I'm loving it. I, I confess, I was wrong. It did the opposite. Disliking the prequels didn't make me dislike the Clone Wars. Liking the Clone Wars is actually going to regrettably make me like the prequels. Right. That's It's such an odd thing because the Clone Wars is so done. Because I've had people say that too, just like, um, or even that was my thoughts of it a little bit at first. So you're just like, oh, well, it's it's an animated show. Oh, it's the Clone Wars that took place during the prequels. But like, you watch it and you're like, this is what you watch for storytelling right. because the story that comes out throughout the clone wars, you're, you forget like, Oh, this, that's right. This is what, this is the prequels. Like this is right. what's in between all that. And I know I've talked about it with Isaac a little bit. And one of our other buddies, that's a huge star Wars fan. You're watching through clone wars and you're coming up to the end, but you know what awaits, you know, already order 66 is coming up and you have that dread, but you're just like, uh, maybe, maybe that won't happen. Maybe they'll figure it out. And you're just like, it's just that pit in your stomach because you know what's coming. But and more stuff makes sense to me now than than what they just kind of crammed into episode three. And and no disrespect. Is it okay if I throw spoilers out? Oh, for, for episode three? Oh, for Clone No, no, for, for episode three. Yes, can I <laughs> yeah, spoil like, like a 20-year-old movie? For a while, I think <laughs> no. that would be okay. So uh. Anakin Skywalker turns into Darth Vader, you guys, okay? <laughs> Whoa! Oh, spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> That's impossible! No, no. So th- there's there's some treachery that happens within the Jedi ranks. One of the Jedis turn bad. The, one of the Padawans goes evil and... Uh, kind of brings a little insurrection. And as I'm watching over the course of the show, I'm watching the Jedi turn a blind eye to it. I'm going, yeah, you know what? They really were kind of the their own uh, smoking gun. They kind of did bring about their own downfall. And when I watch things happen, like the the in, the unjust accusations of Ahsoka in, in this betrayal and the way that that whole thing played out, I can see Anakin's frustration and I can go, yeah, no wonder it was so easy for him to say the Jedi are the bad guys here. And it made his turn make way more sense right. than just the tragedy of Darth, Darth Plagueis the Wise. <laughs> right. And yeah. I think part of it, too, of with the whole Clone Wars is when you just watch the movies, it's always just this, you know, the, the aspect of good and evil. Well, the Jedi are the good guys, Sith are the bad guys. But you watch the Clone Wars and you're just like... The, the Jedi aren't as good, like, they have their own philosophy and their own, men- and you begin to see way more of, like, it's just not on the surface that, like, oh, these are just the good guys. Yeah. Like, some it, of them it, are kind it, of it, jerks. Some of, yeah, some of them are jerks, and they have their own ideology and would rather, you know, oh, it's more important to be the Jedi teachings than to be, you know, necessarily morally right or, yeah, you come off as just being a, a jerk and whatnot, but you're more caught up on being a Jedi or Sith because, and that was what was super fascinating to me because it's, it it presents more that thing of like, it's not a clear cut good guys, bad guys anymore. Right. It's, you can understand how someone would be a Jedi and become a Sith or why someone would be in the middle because you don't necessarily agree with both sides. And it's the middle and and sorry, Isaac for hijacking your show here. (laughs) It's the middle (laughs) that fascinates me because that's what I'm, that's what I'm learning about star Wars. I grew up, when there was three Star Wars movies, that's all we had. That's all we needed. Three Star Wars movies and a holiday special, and that was it. <laughs> and so so for me, all of the Jedi were killed. They were wiped out and hunted by Darth Vader, 
And then there's one Jedi left, Luke Skywalker. Two, if you count Princess Leia from Return of the Jedi. So you you have that. And then afterwards, Luke goes out in the books and he starts a new Jedi Order. But now that we're watching this, we're seeing there is a ton of Force-sensitive Jedi, former Jedi, you say Cal Kestis, Ahsoka Tano clearly lived through the events of the original trilogy and 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 so many others. I mean, I, I haven't finished Rebels yet, but there's a lot of uh, of Jedi blatant walking around with their lightsabers hanging out right before the original trilogy. So it seems that kind of in the before and after, there's a lot more going on in the Star Wars universe. At first, that really throws my personal mythology of Star Wars that I grew up with right out the window. But boy, Dave Filoni knows how to create a universe. That man is a wizard at creating a universe. Like- I, I honestly, I, I thought Kevin Feige did a great job with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but but I got to give the edge to Dave Filoni because he took a tangled mess and made it not only make sense, but made it better. Yep. 100%. Thank you. So I'm really looking forward to The Mandalorian to answer your question, Isaac. Yes, that's good. That's good. Yeah, the last four episodes, Tony, oh. of season seven oh. are probably the best four episodes in the whole series. It is Some an amazing, amazing watching. ending to that yep. show. So I'm excited for you to get to that. I'm excited so, too. <laughs> so uh, to close that off, we've talked about The Mandalorian a lot. Obviously, we're very excited for it. Comes out October 30th on Disney+. Plus. So uh, we what we haven't done yet is uh, plugged our rating bumper. So on our Infinity Bros podcast, we have a special rating system with which Tony has already referenced several times today. Sorry, um, spoilers. Yeah, no, I told you that's what spoilers. I do. <laughs> uh, so we rate things from a six point scale. Um, Max will play the bumper. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an infinity step. I want to know what your guys' rating is for this trailer specifically, and then your hype for The Mandalorian Season 2. So I'm going to go ahead and give mine first, since I haven't spoken in about like 10 minutes here. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. So sorry. I love listening to you guys talk about Star Wars, so that's not a knock. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Zane, I'll call you after. We'll we'll talk. (laughs) All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. So my hype for this has been a six of six, even before the trailer uh, dropped. And the trailer just... It, it made it go off the charts. I'm super pumped for season two, especially with, man, with Rosario Dawson, who is like a fan cast for like years now yeah, to play absolutely. Ahsoka Tano. Um, it's so cool that it's coming into fruition. And then um, uh, what's his name? Tanura. Ten- I cannot say his first name. Tamura. Tamura. Uh, uh, coming back to play uh, Boba Fett. Like, I am, man, I am so jacked for this season. It's going to be off the charts and one thing i really hope they do is kind of focus more on mando and like the non-jedi side of things i think it's really cool they're bringing ahsoka into it but i think that's one of the really special things about the season one was that it's like a non-jedi focused show and i think that's really cool that we have that in the star wars universe so definitely super pumped for this so what are you what are you guys' rating for uh your hype and then rating of the trailer itself the trailer and hype both i I gotta give six out of six like this was just the show itself just an amazing show and like so many people got disney plus for this show and you start watching it um like i don't when it first started airing did they every episode come out fridays 
How did I think they dropped remember. like two or three right away, and then yeah, it no. was like weekly. No, it was I'm, one at a time. It was and one I, at a time. I thought it was Wednesdays. I might be wrong. Oh, I think you are right. I think it was Wednesdays. But like, I, I know we've kind of referenced this in the past. That really brought back that aspect of like having something to look forward to every week. Yeah, that intense. And like, I really factor. like that they they did I that, concur. and I, ho- I hope concur. that continues with season two of that anticipation because you know you have so much to digest and watch through how come you didn't speak up in my defense on last week's episode because i definitely did that and and like everybody else is like uh no i want to watch it all now those people are Uh, wrong isaac i'll stand up for you they're wrong (laughs) binge watchers don't under don't appreciate the fact of having that moment where you can say what's coming next let's talk the cliffhanger speculate yes i totally agreed all right uh go ahead tony yeah, six out of six for my anticipation. Uh, I don't want to give the trailer a six out of six. I'd really love to give it a, is it a 5.5 okay? 5.49? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we I'd welcome love to those give because it... they make Scott really, really upset when we do decimals. So please, <laughs> yes, please true. do decimals for us. <laughs> I would like, I would like to, to rate it Avogadro's number. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 5.99. And I, I can only reason, not give it a perfect score because I feel like they use the word, this is the way, one too many times. Okay, I will actually agree with you there. <laughs> I heard it, what, like four times yeah. or something? They, they like, needed it the first time, uh, okay. and we were locked in. And after that, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we get it. Are you just trying or to like sell right T-shirts now? Like, or something, you know? We remember. We didn't forget. We didn't forget. So uh, it, 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 if they wanted to throw in, like, an I have spoken or something, anything else would be uh, perfectly cromulent. But no, I, I, it, I'm i just as excited. I was so excited that I left from watching it the third time, and I went over to uh, Sideshow Toys and just looked at all the pictures of the Mandalorian Hot Toy action figure, which is like a two hundred and fifty dollar, three hundred dollar action figure. But I just, I just said, you know what? I can, I can do this. I, I'm gonna just buy it now. Let me just buy this now. And I'm glad I didn't because PlayStation Five came out, and I, you know, it's <laughs> Sophie's choice, man, one or the other. But uh, you know, if anybody out there from the Christian nerd audience who likes to buy Scott Higa all the all his hot toys. Wants to remember me when you enter into your kingdom, please. Now is the time. Yeah, throw us in there too. Why don't, why don't you buy buy some toys for the Infinity Bros universe? Yeah, as well. there we we'll, go. We'll take some Mandalorian ties, toys too. So, just saying, help us out. Uh, no, it's, it really, it's as close to six as it can possibly be. It, this this show is hype, and I'm I'm hype for it. We actually canceled our children's pastor and I canceled. I don't know if anybody from my church will be listening to this, but we canceled a church event. That was supposed to take place on October 30th. No, no joke. That is We fantastic. totally did. We were like, reschedule? <laughs> that is fantastic. Fantastic. This that is the is way. Awesome. So, yeah, as you can tell, we are extremely hyped for Mandalorian Season 2. October 30th drops on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we're going to move on to something else in the Disney sphere. Um, it's interesting that this is coming up because we've had so much DC news over I feel like the past 6 months it's been just DC 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 yeah finally in the past couple of weeks we've gotten some snippets of Marvel news so they've gotten some big castings number 1 we're going to talk about is um Jonathan Majors uh was cast as King the Conqueror in Ant-Man 3 which this one is kind of a surprise because I mean obviously Kang hasn't been revealed as as a casting um he's never been on live screen uh and it was just like oh wow we're getting a potentially major Marvel villain coming up and I I am trying to remember I think it's supposed to 
looks like production is expected to begin in 2021, so it probably will come out 2022. In the next two years, we're getting a major Marvel villain that could potentially be the next like big bad of the MCU. So this is like really big news, actually. Um, and Jonathan Majors uh, is in Zane. You've you've been watching Lovecraft Country or not? I have not. I have okay. not started on that. So that's yet. kind of a a big show that's been getting some hype over the past couple weeks here. Um, I have not seen him in anything else, but Max says he is fantastic in Lovecraft uh, Country. So I I'm excited for this. I thought it was a good casting. Um, Tony, did you have any reaction to getting a big Marvel bad in in this? And what do you think about Jonathan Majors? Well, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I like Kang the Conqueror. I've been a fan since Secret Wars when I was a little kid. When he, you know, Kang was was kind of one of the top tier Marvel villains in the 80s. It was basically him and Doctor Doom were sort of your, your heavy baddies. So uh, I think that's a great choice, an interesting choice. You can do a lot of with the time traveling mechanics that come along with Kang. I mean, just really cool. Uh, and the cast was was curious to me because I wasn't familiar, uh, other than just seeing some previews of Love, Lovecraft Country. Uh, I, I had not seen his work, so I looked him up. This guy's uh, a Shakespearean actor. I mean, he is a classically trained, strong actor, Jonathan Majors. So I'm looking forward to some really, really great performance. And Kang has the room to really chew up the screen and, and be big over the top. What I'm most excited about is the things that come along with Kang, because some of the speculation at the close of the uh, Infinity War and uh, Endgame was you starting to see a lot of younger characters bleeding out into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you... Um, you have the Morgan Stark and then Cassie Lang now is kind of a young adult. Uh, there's in the Hawkeye TV show, you're going to have Kate Bishop. I've, I've heard that in Doctor Strange, you're, they're going to introduce America Chavez. You, you have sort of this young group of future heroes and uh, Kang plays heavily into the Young Avengers storyline. Uh, that he, part of his offshoot is that he becomes Iron Lad uh, of past version of him becomes Iron Lag to stop the future version of him from taking over the world. So they may really be setting up kind of a new dynamic team for the next generation, the Saved by the Bell Avengers, if you will. <laughs> so that's interesting. They, they, they open up a whole new a whole new door that they can take this thing to. Absolutely. Yeah, that's I was going to mention that. Like, There's speculation that this could lead into Young Avengers with um, Cassie Lang, uh, Scott's daughter, potentially, uh, you know, coming into her own as a hero this in ant-man 3 honestly the weird part is the the fact that king is being introduced in ant-man 3 is kind of going under the radar a little bit so zane what do you think about ant-man 3 specifically like is this is this weird that king is being introduced here is that going to make ant-man 3 a better or worse movie or like what what do you what are your thoughts on this um, I don't think it necessarily is, I can't really say if it'll be better or worse. I think it fits because with, uh, Ant-Man was kind of the first movie where he started introducing this whole concept of, you know, going into, you know, like when he shrunk down between the atoms, that's when you start getting this tease of multiverse and you come through like if you were and you get this tease, uh, you know, start getting into like time travel and stuff. Um, so that's kind of where it introduced, so it would make sense for this to be introduced Kang, who is all about that, of time travel. In multi like, it's such a big villain for that. Um, 
and I think people forget too, like this is also how Thanos was in originally introduced. It's not like, oh man, Avengers, here's Thanos. It's not like it was suddenly, it was just kind of right, yeah. that the end scene, the background slowly yeah. introduced in a movie and then slowly ramped up. I think the introduction, and, like you were saying, makes a lot of sense with like the quantum realm, you know, time travel being a part of the quantum realm, all that stuff. Right. I think the interesting thing is going to be, is he going to be the main villain of this movie? Like he potentially could be the main villain of the next phase of the MCU. So are they going to use him to that potential and just kind of tease him a little bit in this? Or is he going to be like the main feature? Well, I I feel like he could go main feature. Um, I I hope they don't follow kind of the marvel pattern of like oh we're gonna introduce this villain and he's dead and he's dead like, that <laughs> sure, I, yeah. I don't want that but yep. my thought process of a little bit introduce him here and then i mean granted this is all super fanboy here but use him introduce us here he's your villain he kind of becomes what like loki was originally kind of that propped up as your big villain that the, I mean, don't make him good, but uh, I still want for somebody. I else. want stuff set up of Kang to bring the introduction of the Fantastic Four, which oh, then yes. brings us Doctor Doom. Oh, that would be fantastic. Which then brings us the Beyonder. Yes, <laughs> I want all of that. Like oh, the man. fanboy in me wants that, but I feel like you could totally just set up like going through the whole Young Avengers thing. Kang definitely has that power and the prowess that he could set up as his own villain like not just flavor of the month you know for a single movie he has enough that prowess that you could put him in multiple but you could also set use him to set up what's coming next right and you kind of like you could almost make him he's he's bigger than this so this is maybe not a fair comparison but like ronin the accuser in was that the guard the first guardians of the yeah. galaxy yeah so like he's He's set up before that. Like, I mean, we didn't know really much about Guardians of the Galaxy. I shouldn't say we. Like, a lot of people didn't know about the Guardians of the Galaxy before before it came out. So Ronan the Accuser comes in, and like, you you think he's the big bad guy in that in that film, and he he's technically the bad guy, but obviously he kind of fades into obscurity after that movie, even though he still exists in the universe. He's still there. But he's not a big part in any of the Marvel, you know. He uh, is the, the Steppenwolf to Zack Snyder's dark side. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So you wonder if, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Kang used as a big bad too. But you wonder if, if, like you said, Zane, if he's the Loki to the Thanos, you know, it, that would be that would be interesting. But you know, it does make sense to introduce him with, with all the time travel in Ant-Man 3. So interesting news i i think that's really cool that we finally get a good piece of of marvel casting it's been so long it feels like i always tease max that we're becoming a dc podcast this year because there's just been so much dc news. and i don't know if you guys can see in the chat but warner brothers lawyers just said you're not allowed to use the word multiverse anymore <laughs> that is exclusively theirs dang how did you get in our chat I'm just saying they have ears everywhere <laughs> You've been talking about right. him so much, so, you know. Yeah, so what do you guys think of this casting? Uh, Tony, why don't you go ahead? Uh, sorry, rate your, your rating of the casting. My bad. Are we a six out of six for Jonathan yeah, Majors? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll land him on a solid four. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, what are they going to do with Kane the Conqueror? Are they going to bring him out and make him into this wonderful, stellar, Thanos, Loki-like bad guy? Or are they going to, uh, oh, here he is. It's like a dark elf again. Who knows? I mean, Marvel can go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I'm optimistic, but uh, still on the fence. Gotcha. Zane, what's your rating this news? Um, Yeah, I'll go with a solid five out of six. Like, it's kind of following that mark. Marvel pattern of getting a younger guy who's kind of not super well known that you can kind of carry through a universe. Um, I will say I didn't realize it was him at first, but he made a he was in a smaller movie called White Boy Rick, which is a great movie, very much adult. Like, don't watch it with your kids, obviously. But <laughs> I've totally forgot he was in this movie, and it's it was a really good movie. Um, for the for the longest time, I have to admit, I thought Jonathan Majors was the younger version of him was the guy who played the uh, the the goat in the Percy Jackson movies. I have since Googled and found out that I was wrong. <laughs> that is not the same actor. It's not, it's not your headcanon. <laughs> it's not my headcanon. <laughs> but beyond that, no, like I, I like it. Like I think he can do well. So I'm going to give this a five out of six. I'm along the same lines. I have not seen anything that he's in. Uh, he looks like he, with his resume, is great. Looks like he's a great actor. I'm super pumped about Kang coming into the MCU. So five out of six for me. Um, I also think it's really cool that we're just getting more diverse and people of color in, in big roles and stuff like that. So all in on that. Um, yeah, I think five out of six potential to be more. I mean, I, I can't wait to see how he does with the role. The next big casting that we have for Marvel News is we finally have our She-Hulk casting. There's been rumors flying around uh, about uh, a bunch of different actresses, uh, especially we actually talked about Alison Brie uh, rumors a couple weeks ago for She-Hulk. But uh, Tatiana Maslany is the actress that uh, Marvel has chosen to do the She-Hulk. Uh, it's going to be a miniseries on Disney+. Plus. I believe they're doing like six episodes uh, not even, you know, close to production. It sounds like production will be late 2021. Might not get the show till late 2022 or even later. But, I mean, the fact that we have a She-Hulk is, is still pretty cool. Um, I have not, again, seen her in anything. But she, the big series that she is known for is Orphan Black. Um, have not seen that show. But uh, she looks like she's got a pretty good resume again. Um Marvel can pretty much bulk up whoever they want to play whatever role. So uh, my guess is she's going to look awesome. And they're probably going to utilize, obviously, a bunch of CGI because it's it's She-Hulk and she's going to be all green. So that would be that'd be a pretty impressive feat if they didn't use CGI for that. I, I think she's like five foot four in real life. So <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, uh, yeah. she's going to be a little taller than that. <laughs> I've, I, I looked her up on Orphan Black because I, I wasn't familiar with, with any of her work either. And the cool thing about that show is I think she plays like, 20 different characters or something like that. It's a, it's a really? show about clones. So uh, oh, so she plays all of these different clone characters, all with different personality types. And uh, she's a good actress. She can pull off some range. And um, from from real serious drama to uh, just being real over the top and physical, even to some comedy. So I, I think that they're going to be able to get a good performance out of her. But uh, it was such a random choice, though. Yeah, I know. Like, when I heard that, I was like, wait. Who? Yeah. Who is her? <laughs> And, you know, I guess that's that's kind of okay. Like, I guess it's okay to get, like, unknowns to play uh, roles because, you know, early in the MCU, we get Chris Hemsworth, and it was kind of the same deal. It was like, Chris Hemsworth, who's this guy? And now he's, like, emulates Thor. You know, he, he's a great live-action Thor. So I, I think it's okay that we get a, get a kind of an unknown. I mean, she still has a great resume. I, I don't even know if I can really call her an unknown 
but uh but yeah i think it's cool that they're they're bringing in you know some different uh range uh people as you said tony uh so what are you guys uh, ratings of this casting zane why don't you go ahead yeah i just like i've heard uh, all good things about orphan black and i'm pretty sure she's won awards for her acting in that so like i have confidence in it and like i love that we're getting she hulk in the mcu or at least kind of introduced to in a series um just as much as Robbie doesn't like it, She-Hulk's always like, <laughs> for whatever reason, She-Hulk has just always been one of my favorite Marvel like female like heroes. Like, there's just been something about that um, that I just I liked. I was gravitated towards it, and so finally, like, getting this live action is is it's going to be cool to see. So I'm going to still keep it with like the Jonathan Majors catch. I'm going to keep it five out of six. Kind of unknown, but looks like she has the acting chops. She's won awards for other stuff she's done so i'm excited to see what she can do for this role yeah i'm again gonna go on the same lines she hulk is a great character and tony uh for the backstory infinity bro robbie doesn't like she hulk for very like zero reason like he just doesn't like her as a character just because he just doesn't like her there's a lot Uh, of background on she hulk i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna defend infinity bro robbie because it depending on when you were first introduced into she hulk she wasn't always a fully realized and interesting character she she was just kind of like oh girl version of hulk yeah right yeah and yeah that was kind of the the era of of you know comics where people were just like oh let's create a family for this superhero yeah. you know and just yeah, <laughs> backup okay. member of the Fantastic Four at best I mean that was kind of her her gimmick now she is a fully realized character she's smart she's crazy strong she's funny I mean she's she's a you know she's the Ally McBeal woman you know but she can also wreck a school bus with her bare hands <laughs> exactly like yeah she's come into her own as a character yeah. over the years for sure. Um, but Robbie doesn't like her just because he's never saw the appeal. He has never read anything. He's never seen anything. He just he just sees She-Hulk, and he's like, I don't like that character because it looks weird to me. But so. how many people could say that about some of these other Marvel characters like Guardians of the Galaxy? Or even on a smaller scale, if you go back, who was a big fan of I was? But there was a lot of people. Nobody knew who Daredevil was or cared about him outside of the limited Ben Affleck laughable movie, which I also liked because Daredevil's like my favorite. But after the Netflix show... It was like, yeah, heck yeah, Daredevil. Heck yeah, Charlie Cox. I didn't know who you were before this, but now I know who you are, and I'm stunned that you're not really blind because you just <laughs> you made this role come to life, sir. <laughs> yeah, and maybe, you know what? Maybe She-Hulk will come out, and it will convert Robbie into a She-Hulk lover. I hope who knows? so. The nice uh, thing Tony, about Marvel what's your rating they, of this news? They're not limited to one particular genre. Like, all of their movies can have a very different flavor. Until we really yes. got to the thrust of the Infinity Saga, uh, you know, you, you had so many different vibes, and the TV shows can be very much the same way. Uh, couldn't this be a Boston Legal, like a procedural law show with that a superpowered element? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just so yeah. many ways that they can take this. Go, Marvel. Get it. You know, you, you find find Absolutely. what works for you and make Which, it work for to kind of to kind of ride on your coattails of what you said there, that was always one of the things that I found interesting. So like what got me into reading of the shield that really liked it was Daniel Way's run, I think in like 2010, maybe a little earlier, but it, the, going through the legal proceedings like that. Well, since every, like she's a lawyer, but what I thought was really interesting is they established in like her run that in court, in the court of law, in the Marvel universe, you can actually use previous comic books as defense or arguments against 
people of supervillains or superheroes like that that was became a recognized part and part of in the writing of those comics is like it's part of the people that worked in her department of finding past issues of like actual Marvel comics from the seventies and eighties to defend the the people they're defending or going against. And I always thought that was such a coolest that thing because cool. she is kind of like that fourth wall type break character, but they're literally looking for things in old comic books and using that to present a, a, a legal defense. Yeah. And I always thought that was such a cool aspect to have in a comic book. Charles Soule did the same thing in Daredevil. And he's got, I think, education as a lawyer. And he brought a lot of that procedural writing into it and just made it really feel more than just man in skin-tight suit beating up bad guys. It made it feel alive and grounded. And to me, I will sign up. I will double pay for Disney Plus that month, those six weeks, if they have Charlie Cox show up as a lawyer oh in that gosh, show. Ooh. That would be amazing. I would melt oh, down. Be- <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I want it. speaking of Charlie Cox, we are going to get into our rumor segment, Little Bits. Little Bits. Little Bits. Little bits. Should I be whispering Little Bits? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm new to this. Give it, give it a shot. Little Bits. <laughs> Ooh, okay. That was, that was impressive. Sultry? Really That's what I was like going that. for. It was sultry. <laughs> that was you impressive. have the voice that could make a Wolverine purr. <laughs> so, uh, just... A little snippet. This is like, I mean, this has been a rumor that has been floating around for a very long time. But uh, the Daredevil rights moving from Netflix to Marvel later this year. Okay, this is from licenseglobal.com. I mean, this is, again, this is a rumor that's been floating around for months and even years going back to when Marvel canceled all the Netflix shows. But um, according to this... November 2018 is when the Marvel Netflix Mm -hmm. characters are supposed to, their rights are supposed to revert back to Disney. So potentially we could have Charlie Cox and She-Hulk. Oh, listen, you are just dangling it right in front of me, man. I'm I'm salivating over here. (laughs) Okay. And this, okay, this is, to me, this is fantastic. Charlie Cox is the best part of all of the Netflix Marvel shows. He is fantastic as Daredevil. I liked all of them, uh, but Daredevil was by far, to me, the best Netflix show. But um, just the potential of having Charlie Cox as Daredevil do cameos in some MCU shows, potentially revive the series on Disney+, Plus. like, the the possibilities are endless and making my mind explode because i'm so excited at the at the notion of this happening but tony obviously as a daredevil fan you have strong feelings towards this i do so (laughs) what what is the level of excitement you have towards these netflix marvel characters potentially returning to disney so first off i think that you are overlooking john bernthal as the incredible frank castle that's my number two honestly it's it's a close number two and i love daredevil but he just nailed that character so well my question is yes marvel has to bring them back and i think marvel would be foolish to just wipe the slate clean and recast those things because there is still so much and they start at, at an amazing head start with with these characters being developed in these these worlds it's not a detriment except for iron fist you can wipe the slate on that one yeah, yeah, <laughs> iron fist let me tell you why because uh, you know, iron fist it w- was not iron fist's fault it was scott buck's fault scott buck was the showrunner for iron fist and if you want to know how he screwed up iron fist go back and watch the other marvel show that he was the showrunner for which was the inhumans 
<laughs> yeah, who hired this guy twice? Who does he have naked pictures of? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so that being said, yeah, my so do we do do we retread and bring it back out as Disney Plus shows? Sure, why not? But why not begin to weave these characters into the feature films? Oh my goodness, we end up with Spider-Man Far From Home and now he's got this accusation that he's the one. Who does he hire as an attorney? What if it's Matt Murdock? Come on, dude. I heard. I actually heard a specific rumor of that. Did you? Because because I thought the, I just made it the... up. <laughs> maybe it was you. Maybe you wrote that maybe. article. And you're you're just using an alias. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but like after the JJJ reveal in yeah. Spider-Man: Far From Home, like I felt like the walls were broken on on the on like the whole Marvel universe. Like, man, they could do whatever they want. I mean, if they couldn't have done anything they wanted before, they definitely can do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like bringing back a Raimi character from the original Spider-Man trilogy into their own was, yeah. that was a gutsy move and it paid off so well. Like I think Zane, you were in the theater oh, with yeah. me and Robbie at oh, that yeah. time. I like started clapping right. immediately when he showed up. <laughs> I was just like, yes, <laughs> this is what I wanted in this movie. This is amazing. Um, so yeah, if we forgive if, you for leaving us for Gotham City, <laughs> <laughs> we forgive you. We wanted you back. Nobody else can play Ugh. that part. Yeah. So if if Disney can make this happen, please Disney, Kevin Feige. I know you're not listening to this, but if you ever do listen, oh no, he's to a this, subscriber. Please. Oh, that would be fantastic. I heard. I heard he was. Oh well, Mark, Mark, Infinity Bro, Mark is actually uh, the the behind the scenes uh, executive producer of WB's uh, DC Universe. Because he always comes up with all of the ideas for their their uh, stuff, and See, apparently they're listening. not listening to him. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, so Zane, I'm going to give you a quick moment to touch on that. What are your thoughts on uh, those rights returning to Disney? Yeah, that that's huge. And you already had enough of that base that so many people were on Netflix watching because of those shows, and you have those characters established. And you already know if Disney was like, "Hey, we're going to continue this." Even if you just want to bring Daredevil and put it on Disney Plus, like you're going to get so many people of like, bring back Charlie Cox, we're bringing back this, and we're still continuing this. So many people are still going to be watching that because it was done so well on Netflix that people still want the continuation of this character. And I think you're going to bring anyone who is a fan of it on Netflix, if they aren't already subscribed to Disney Plus, like they're, they're, they're coming over. And you'll have zero problems signing Vincent D'Onofrio, who wants to come back more than oh, anything in the world. My gosh. He was fantastic as Fisk. Okay, uh, I'm gonna give us all a collective six out of six for that news because or uh, rumor because that is ma- amazing. Infinity Snap. You guys don't even get a choice. You're giving me a six out of six. Uh, okay, I feel so compelled. Bits. I know this will upset Tony, but this is the way. So this is the way. <laughs> You're not wrong. All right, next <laughs> next little bits is we have. Um, Tom Hardy to be rumored to replace Daniel Craig as the next James Bond, as the next 007. Um, this was an article by uh, Daily Mail. Um, there's there's actually been floating around on Twitter. Apparently somebody had confirmed it. It was like the cultured nerd or something like that confirmed it. But it was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll wait for a little bit more uh, reliable source. But um, are you guys big 007 fans? Because I'm going to admit right away, I like the movies, but I'm not. I have not seen all 28 or nine or whatever the number is at this point of the <laughs> 007 films, and I probably won't go back and watch them all. So this news is like it's it's fine because Tom Hardy is a great actor, so they, he's a fine you know casting in pretty much any role. 
But do you guys have any thoughts one way or the other on this? Tony, are you a big 007 fan? I appreciate 007 for what he is. Uh, Some of those movies didn't age well. I think all of them, I probably have seen all of them or very close to it over the years. My dad was a fan, so we kind of grew up watching them together. But uh, every James Bond kind of created his own sort of genre of film. I mean, Roger Moore had the very silly kind of campy where Sean Connery was sort of the very steamy and, you know, kind of sex symbol uh, secret agent. And then and Timothy Dalton was ridiculous, and then Pierce Brosnan uh, fit the image, but his movies were just very cartoony. I think Daniel Craig really revitalized the franchise by making it gritty, making it today's James Bond, making it the grounded in reality uh, James Bond. I'm interested to see what Tom Hardy's James Bond will look like, and I would be disappointed if they just kind of continued the same flavor that they've had with Daniel Craig without letting him kind of expand it and make it his own, and I think that's unfortunately what's going to probably happen. They're going to take the path of least resistance. I would have loved to see a more dynamic choice like an Idris Elba, really take it out to the next level and create a a new Bond flavor, a new Bond vibe, but uh, I honestly, I don't think I care enough to really you know, live or die by any of this. All right, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you there, Zane. Any thoughts? It's an interesting uh, Tom Hardy because yeah, like I actually would have really liked to see Idris Elba do this. Like I think he just kind of has that that charisma and that pull. But um, I think I'm going to kind of take a bit of the opposite stance here with Tom Hardy in that so much of what Tom Hardy does in his movies that he really has a way of making them his own, and in a lot of the stuff that he does and watches, and you know like. Max can hate him all he wants to, bang bang. But uh, <laughs> like, it, like I know Max refuses to watch Venom, but you watch that Venom movie. Like Tom Hardy makes that movie. Yeah, if it's not okay, that movie is not a great movie. But without Tom Hardy, it's not. It's a terrible movie. No, the, it's a terrible movie. Tom Hardy. That's that's Tom Hardy's worst movie. I mean, it's so bad. <laughs> I, I, I seriously, I think I'd rather watch Inception with the with the volume down. Like it, it's. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't redeem that. And I'm sorry to take such a controversial. This was not my time. No, I, that's fine. I no, rescind my comment. <laughs> no, <laughs> you may continue, sir. Say as you want about Venom, but it's still he is still the best part of that movie. Yeah, and I mean that's you know that's kind of like the best part of getting a thumb in your eye is if someone washes their hands first. <laughs> I don't. I don't dig it, man. And then even just from like Mad Max, from, uh, like I think he has a way of just taking on his own role. So I like it that to see what he can do with it even though in my mind's eye, he's not who I would see as 007. But, uh, like, I'm not overly thrilled by it, but I'm also not, like, hating it. Like, I'm just right in the middle, like, okay, let's see what he can do. Like, I like 007 enough, but it's not like I'm the first person lined up in the theater to see a new, you know, James Bond movie. Like, it it is what it is. I'm definitely with you. It's a three out of six for me. Tom Hardy, fine. 007, fine whatever nothing like too crazy for me what are you guys ratings on that tony yeah i mean like sure why not i don't uh, three three i guess three three seems like the least committal answer like uh, sure (laughs) exactly y'all you do you go go broccoli family make what works for you (laughs) zane what's your rating yeah three three and a half just right in the middle I I i don't hate it don't love it like it's just like i said i'm excited that it's tom hardy to see what he can do but i it doesn't break the bank either way for me. So we'll we'll call that an infinity meh. <laughs> infinity <laughs> meh. Well said, sir. Okay. Well said. Guys, we are like we're like over an hour, so we're gonna zoom through the rest of this podcast. But okay, one more one more little bits that we have to talk about, okay? 
little bits. This little is probably bits. our li- biggest little, little bits. bits thing. But uh, I've got an article from Fandom Wire here that is talking about potentially more actors joining the Flashpoint movie. Come on. So I saw a tweet uh, posted to me by Infinity Bro uh, Max, I believe, in our group chat. Um, about it had the first thing that grabbed my eye is it has Nick Cage Superman. I mean, most of you that are comic book fans, uh, you know that Nick Cage was slated to play Superman. Gosh, that must have been what early nineties or something like that. Yeah, it was the follow up to the first Batman movie. So yeah. yeah. Oh wow, yeah. So like early to mid nineties, um, never happened. But this article is saying that potentially they could have actors such as Nicolas Cage do Superman. Uh, Grant Gustin could potentially appear as Flash, uh, which he is the Flash in the CW show, The Flash. Um, Ezra, I mean, Ezra Miller is already the Flash, and he is slated to play um, the Flash in this film. Ben Affleck, who has played Batman, is already announced to be in this film. Michael Keaton, who played the 89 Batman and Batman Returns, is slated to play Batman in this film as well. Like, they are just potentially loading up this film they already have those three potential or confirmed excuse me but nicholas cage um and uh let's see do they have any other i thought didn't they say here? val kilmer they were yes back. val kilmer potentially val as kilmer batman can't as well. speak <laughs> are you joking so it with makes me? you it makes you wonder like wow like are they literally just loading up this film with all the big name actors they can they can find and round up and just, I mean, they're obviously planning something huge and potentially rounding out the DCEU and either wiping the slate clean or just connecting everything and being like, all right, it's all part of one universe. You, you, know? you use that word planning, and I'd like to ask <laughs> you to define the word plan because this doesn't seem like a plan. This is like when, no. when, when you, you run out of money and you're still hungry, so you got to go to the, the fridge and make some hot dog soup. Like you, ain't got, you just got to pull out whatever you got and just throw it in a pot and hope that it turns out to be something tasty, and it almost never does. What like sorry you guys you guys are bigger DC fans because you, you never stopped talking about them the past couple episodes it seems <laughs> like fandom happens and you guys lose your minds uh, but Everybody's the <laughs> dude it's like what are you, people aren't buying what you're selling moving forward so you're just gonna go back and start pulling out all the old stuff how does any of this stuff make sense everybody knows that Nicolas Cage is Ghost Rider I mean you know <laughs> yes uh, no, but maybe just, he'll maybe he'll appear as Ghost Rider in the film too that's all I, mean. I want but they're just gonna throw everything at the wall how does that even make sense and I haven't heard Linda Carter's name as Wonder Woman so I'm already on the on the bad side of this mm-hmm. thing anyway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right I I mean the fact that Okay, I I will go ahead and give all this stuff like a hey, meh. I'll give it an infinity meh. But Nicolas Cage as Superman. The fact that we could potentially have Nicolas Cage as Superman in this film actually has me somewhat excited for it. Again, <laughs> define the word excited. Really? <laughs> excited Even like watching it's... a train wreck, right? I mean, there's no <laughs> way that could be justifiably good. No. no. Uh, excited does not mean it's going to be good. Okay, <laughs> but do you think he grows out his hair again for this? Do we oh, get like he doesn't Superman for it? <laughs> okay, Zade, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, like just like I said, this is the whole through the fandom thing, or as I call it, the fan do me, because that's <laughs> it's like so much of DC. It's all it, it's 
so much flash, very little substance. And like, it is kind of the exciting thing of like, oh man, we're bringing all these old, like, and it makes sense. It's a multiverse type movie, but like, okay. So again, this is just flash and substance. Like, where's the substance? Like, what is this? Like, yeah, you're bringing big names. Oh, this guy was previous Batman. Nick Cage is Superman. But like, okay, so that's flashy stuff. But is it going to really matter if that the movie's terrible? Like, you're basing it on, oh, man, someone's going to see this because you got Nick Cage Superman, or you're bringing back Michael Keaton as Batman. Like, okay, yeah, that's cool stuff, but who cares if it's a crappy movie? Like, Is it a money grab, or is it a potential, like, I mean, are they trying to launch something and get something going? Like, what what is their main goal in this movie? I, I don't know what it is, but I'm intrigued by it at least. Right, but like, it's, it's intriguing, still... but like I said, like, it goes back, like, it's so far it's it's flash and no substance because it it's got the flash it's got the blinking lights to bring the attention literally has the flash it has literally has more than one flash <laughs> right it's got these attention grabbers but like what's it gonna amount to you know yeah and that's where okay. i have all my reservation because so far with a lot of the dc stuff that we've gotten like what does it amount to, amounted to like absolutely give me something substantial yeah yeah are totally these gonna agree. be glorified cameos uh, that that's right kind of... yeah exactly yeah, and that that was the thing with uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I don't know if you watch that, so or Tony, if you watch any of the CW shows, that was the big crossover event for all yeah. of their shows. Oh yeah, and they announced time. all these thong things, like all these people making cameos and stuff, and most of them ended up just being cameos. Which I mean, I guess we should have probably expected, but uh, it was just it, they did kind of the same thing. They built all this stuff up and hyped it up. And the event was just like, it was cool. It was okay. Still, like the con- I guess she, I should <laughs> say the concept of it was cool, but it the execution was just, eh. It just was not not as well as they could have done. Yeah, this is this is going from Man of Steel to Batman versus Superman. It's like, ah, oh, it didn't work the first time. Let's do it again, but bigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna get some fighting words from Br- some. Bring it on! Tweet me love... at Nerd of Godcast. I will cha- I will take all challengers. <laughs> Zack Snyder has not made a good Man movie since 300. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I I like Man of Steel myself, but I I'm not an apologist as some other Infinity Bros on this podcast. I like are, Man so. of Steel, I, that, and that's that's a testament to Henry Cavill bringing in mm. a very good performance in a Agreed. very terrible movie. Agreed. Agreed. Batman versus so, Superman only survives because Ben Affleck brought a very good performance in a very terrible movie, okay. and Ben Affleck is the people's Batman. I'm saying it right here. Uh-huh. All right. I got some. We got some good uh, fighting words here, so love be it. prepared on on Twitter, <laughs> uh, Tony. They're, you're gonna get some ats. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> I so, love it. Bring it on. Um, okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap I could do up this a little all bit. Day. Um, what are you guys rating of this uh, uh, conglomeration of a flashpoint? Zane, go ahead. I still just like I, I keep it right at the three. I'm gonna keep it right at an infinity meh because it's just like. <laughs> It's cool. It's interesting, but like, what's it gonna amount to? Is are they gonna? Is it? I could just see it now. Like they're like, oh, we're bringing all these characters in, but then they're gonna be in the movie for like three seconds as like Flash is like running back through time, and you just see a snippet of him running by it, and like, oh, okay, well this was dumb. Like, get it, Tony? <laughs> what's your rating of this? Is there? Can you go lower than one? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, kinda, I guess uh, what we call a zero out of six is a fan fortastic on our show. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go zero. I'll go zero, right. and I will give them a, a bonus one if they bring in the Justice League of America from the 1997 CBS pilot. <laughs> if they bring those guys in, I'll give them a one for the sheer right. audacity. Doing that. I may also give them an extra one if they end up in some kind of Batman the Animated Series-esque animated world a la Spider-Ham. <laughs> you heard it here first, WB. Do it. Do it or or else. Or else. Tony T, Nerd of God. Camp. It's just a mess, man. Uh, it's too mu- twice as much as not twice as good. All right. And uh, my rating is uh, six out of six for Nicolas Cage Superman. Okay, moving on. Uh... You're a deplorable human being, <laughs> wow. Isaac. I'm saying it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, so actually, guys, we are going way too long with this podcast. So we're actually going to skip right to the top five. D. We're going at three. Infinity Bros. Two. Top five. One. List. Starts now the top five is our uh water cooler discussion of a lot of different topics we have uh you know it doesn't always have to be nerdy stuff but we come up with these lists uh, of what we can uh discuss and our top five today since it is batman today uh batman day today on day of recording um we are doing our top five batman villains all right so i mean we we had a top five probably must have been around episode 40-ish or something like that, of the top five uh, rogues galleries. Oh, that was the one with uh, Comics and the Cross on. That was Oh, that was a good one. Uh, but Batman obviously makes everybody's top five. Like, Batman's rogues gallery is fantastic. I think, I think two of us had him at number one, and then the other two had him at number two to Spider-Man. But, I mean, you cannot deny that Batman has some of the best villains out there. Um, so we're going to go ahead. And Tony, I'm going to save you for last uh, as our guest. And Zane, why don't you go ahead and give us your <laughs> Go ahead and take all the list. good ones and leave me with Marsha, Queen of Diamonds. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. But if this is not exclusive. If, if, it's, if we take them, they're still definitely welcome to be on your list. So... Zane, go ahead with your top five. I, I'm not. I'm just going straight top five. I didn't do any honorable mentions just because it's a top five list. Um, <laughs> my number five is Scarecrow. Uh, number four is Victor Zaz. Oh, by... bold choice, sir. Okay. Yeah, that Thank is you. a bold choice. Thank you. Interesting. He's a terrifying bad guy. That, he is. That, that's he is. that's why I had to put him in my top five. Like I just there's just something about that that kind of adds more of that creep element. Yeah, if Mr. Freeze than... shows up at your back door and Victor Zaz shows up at your front door, I'm running to the back door. <laughs> right, exactly. Like <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not playing around, but now that you said that, my number 3 is Mr. Freeze. Hey. So I have to shout out there. Uh my number 2 is the Joker and my number 1 Batman villain because my all-time favorite Batman story is Hush is the Riddler. I love the Riddler. Like I just, even when I, I knew that was going to be yours. <laughs> you, you and those Riddler trophies in. Uh, well, not. In, <laughs> are you sure you're not Ravenclaw, sir? Very well. <laughs> well, like I'm really hoping that like Riddler gets more of a time to shine because it, I love the aspect that he challenges way more of the, the like the mental and the just 
the, the riddles like his whole asp like his whole shtick is that he's trying to make a riddle that Batman can't solve. Like, I think that's such a unique thing. It's not just the Joker out here being crazy. Ah, like, like the riddle, like, he's actually challenged in, like, mind games with Batman. He wants to prove that he's more intelligent, more clever than Batman. And that, to me, is just a really appealing villain to what Batman is as a hero. Did, did you, you've obviously seen Batman Forever, the timeless piece of cinema, uh, <laughs> and, a, and a wonderful depiction of the character of the Riddler. Do you, uh, there was a novelization for that, which was totally worth a read. I mean that seriously, it redeems the movie. Uh, and, and in that, the prelude, they kind of go through, before they start with the main story, they give a little backstory to Harvey Dent before he's Two-Face, which the movie completely neglected. And uh, to Edward Nigma as the Riddler before when he's a child. And uh, it, it gives his story as, as a kid and he's in school and he's obviously brilliant. And the teachers are frustrated by him because of his exceptional needs. And they, they just take him to the library. They're just like, read something. He's like, I've read everything here. Like, he is legitimately brilliant. And they're like, well, just read a newspaper. And they throw a newspaper at him. And it's the newspaper that features the, the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. And they it, it describes the photograph from the 1989 Batman of you see little Brucey Wayne kind of in the background looking at the camera with these sad forlorn eyes. And Eddie Nigba says, I see something in this kid that I don't see in anybody else. I see brilliance. I see just pain. And I see that, that there's there's a kindred spirit in him. He's somebody that understands. He's somebody that knows what I'm going through. And that kind of provokes his obsession with Bruce Wayne because he's like, Bruce Wayne doesn't know it, but we are flip sides of the same coin here. And uh, and, and he just wants Bruce Wayne to, to be his friend. He, he grows up thinking Bruce Wayne is my counterpart. And that that's why in the movie, when he gets rejected by Bruce Wayne, he completely snaps because his entire identity was nobody gets me, nobody loves me, but Bruce Wayne would understand. And it, it was like, wow, all of a sudden this character has some depth right. as opposed to just being right. Jim Carrey. Right. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> that know is, that. Is that awesome. But yeah, that just adds so much more of depth to that. And yeah, that's kind of that how that aligns. Like, that's what makes it appealing. And to go off that, that's why I'm super excited with how Paul Dano is going to do in the Batman movie coming out. Like, I'm so glad it's the Riddler is like the main guy and like. I'm I'm pumped for that. I'm excited for you to get a green fedora with a question mark. I will not be getting a green fedora with a question mark oh, on it. You can get a green Come bowler on, with a question mark. It's okay. You can go Frank Gorshin <laughs> yeah, style. Plus, plus, he wears a bowler, okay? Not a fedora. I, well, it's got to be tailored to you. It's got to be tailored to you. So we Do I get the cool the cane? Can I have the cool uh, cane? If you wear the fedora, we'll get you a cane, okay. too. Okay. How's that sound? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will go ahead with my top five, and then we'll close it out with Tony. My number five is Deathstroke. I put him at five because he's not technically like a sole Batman villain. Uh, he's a Teen but... Titans villain. <laughs> but his head-to-heads with Batman are fantastic. So um, I love I love Deathstroke as a character. But, I, yeah, I can't place him above the sole Batman villain. So he's my number five. Number four is Bane. I would love to see a, a live screen, like, Mexican, like, luchador Bane. Uh, that would be fantastic to me. Uh, th- I just think the character of Bane is is really cool. And in Nightfall, honestly, Nightfall like is a really cool run. But the character of Bane that I I, I guess most identify with is like kind of the later two uh, thousands Bane, where he's like big and bulky and stuff. And 
man, it's just it's cool that he's got like the backstory that he does and and he I think he's a little bit of an underrated uh Batman villain even though he at face value he's he's probably not your 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 deep backstory type of guy but I, I've always just loved him. Number three is Scarecrow. Um, always loved just kind of the fear aspect of Scarecrow. Number two is Joker. He can't deny that he's one of the most iconic villains like in all of comic book history. My number one is Mr. Freeze. Wow. Um, I, I love Mr. Freeze, and that goes back to Batman the Animated Series. I remember the first... Uh, movie that i watched that i ever had to do with the the animated series was sub Sub zero yeah man yeah man and that had a really huge impact on me like growing up and i just i love that he's got the kind of the humanizing aspect of he's just not like a bad guy that's doing bad things like he's doing this (laughs) just because he's bad guy does not mean he's bad (laughs) guy guy. (laughs) exactly exactly but he's like got this he doesn't follow the the typical like supervillain tropes which really drew me to him as a character and he's doing this for for you know his wife for a, a good reason to hopefully you know save his wife so and I love just the whole like the having the polar bears as pets too that was like, that's oh, very cool awesome. right I love that he's got two well, I, giant polar bears as pets right. following him around that's awesome <laughs> so cool well I think but yeah Mr Freeze is is an awesome supervillain I think too so. to go off that just real quick is I think especially for like our generation Isaac when we were younger is that was kind of that first time we got one of those villains that you kind of sympathized with a little bit that was still kind of that humanized villain bad for him right you felt bad and so I think that was a lot of a lot of us were exposed to that for the first time because it wasn't just oh this is the bad guy that's the joke you know the the straight bad guy that's when it kind of was like I I understand more of what he's doing yeah, it blurred the lines a little bit. Yep. I mean, you still obviously knew he was a villain, but like you, you kind of understood why he was doing right. what he did for sure. You, you have to think when the when the animated series came out, Batman had been a character for fifty one years, and how much of what we know and love about Batman today was created by Paul Dini in the animated series? It is series. amazing. I mean, real. Harley yeah, Quinn is, is bigger than any Batman villain that there that there is, and yeah. that's Paul Dini. And the backstory yeah, for Mister Freeze, that's Paul Dini. I mean, that's the animated series was the most giant step forward that Batman had taken since Frank Miller's The Dark Knight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And that's why it's, I mean, I posted something on the Infinity Bros uh, social media accounts. It was like, what's your favorite iteration of the Batman? That's why uh, the animated series Batman is my favorite because, I mean, growing up with that, it was so impactful. Like, it's probably one of the reasons why I like superheroes today, honestly. Like, that show is just, like, I, I consider it probably top three, maybe contested top one animated show like of all time. Wow. It's just a fantastic, amazing show that we've talked about, I mean, to death. I mean, I was on uh, the 90s First podcast with Mike, and we talked about that show. And, uh, man, I, I just love that show to death. So. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just, near perfection. Right. I would oh, yeah. love for yeah. them to make Agreed. an Arkham type game for the PlayStation 5 that was completely in that animated style. That would be cool. Not just a skin, not where I just play as a an animated Batman in a regular world. Just make the whole thing just straight up that that right. uh, Fleischer style noir cartoon. Yep. Just oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Amazing. All right, Tony, take it away. Okay. Last uh, top 5 of the day. Number 1 Batman villain of all time, Joel Schumacher. Um <laughs> 
No. Uh, we're, uh, <laughs> for me, it was, it's hard. You, I knew that there was going to be so many that were going to be duplicated here. Um, I went back to my childhood of the, the Batman villains that I loved because growing up prior to 1989, we had Adam West. That was kind of our Batman guy. So, you know, you got your egghead and your bookworm and, and King Tut and shame and things like that. But it's really hard to get away from your, your main rogues gallery, you know, your Joker, Penguin, uh, Catwoman, etc. But, but for me, my five is Mr. Freeze. I think that for the reasons that you've already expounded upon, he's just a very interesting and uh, sympathetic character. Uh, the mutant leader from The Dark Knight Returns, I have to put on my list. Oh, wow. Not deep, okay. not dynamic. I mean, he's just a brutal thug, but he represents him and, and the entire mutant gang just a cancer that has infiltrated Gotham City and really brings Batman back from the dead and when you watch that process of him going from retired race car driver Bruce Wayne back into the cape and cowl so that he can hunt down and dismantle the mutant leader and that, that, that he doesn't just do it right off the bat he has to build to it and the the final scene where they're face to face and and he's like, oh, you've made a mistake. This isn't a mud pit, boy. This is an operating table. And it's like, <laughs> you brought Batman back, and that makes you yeah. a great villain. You woke up the that's, beast, man. And cool. uh, so that that makes him worth more than his than snappy dialogue or, or an interesting origin story. Um, I put in the middle of my list the Joker because I don't know that you can have a Batman villain list without the Joker. Uh, he's just a perfect foil for Va- for Batman, and and he's been fully realized in so many different media forms. I don't know that I like some of the ways that they've brought him about, some of them, but that's the nice thing about the Joker. If you don't like it, just wait. Somebody else will come along and do him in a totally different way. Uh, or you can just go back to the animated series and listen to Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill do it again. Perfect. Because exactly. Because that's the best one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I put uh, the Riddler for ni- my number two because all the reasons that you said and more. I mean, he's he's wonderful and and brilliant, and he he refuses. He doesn't fight Batman with his fists. He really does go, and and that's the great thing. Batman's not just a, a pal crash boom bam sock, you know, superhero. He is the the Dark Knight detective, and and for the Riddler to face him on that battlefield has created some of the best. And you're you're exactly right, Zane. Hush was. Hush, and then Alex Ross's Justice was the jo- was the Riddler at his best, um, and and yeah, just just great stuff. I'm super pumped about the Batman and giving the Riddler finally time to shine. And credit to Go- uh, Gotham as well, where I think they did a pretty good job at, at kind of organically bringing the Riddler into the forefront. There are a lot of good things about that show. That was a, that was a, I mean, for as a show itself, it was probably not the greatest show, but man, they did a lot of things really well. Yeah. They did way better with Gotham than they did with Smallville. I think so. If we're, if we're going, you know, one-to-one that sort of origin world building story Mm -hmm. and gradually just kind of Muppet babying all of the characters, you know, and love into this (laughs) prequel plot line. Um, So yeah, they did a good job, but my number one Batman villain is Two-Face. Harvey Dent, I love oh, the duality. Nice. I love that when they do him right, he is just as evil as he is good. And that's a hard one to do. And most of the time, they don't do it right. Most of the time, they just want a, a thug with you know a bad complexion. But um, I think that, that when you have that, he wants to do what's right just as much as he wants to do what's wrong. 
boy, that split personality is delicious. Right. And it plays itself out so well. I mean, he's <laughs> he's just a great, wonderful character. And and I think there's so many storylines where you can see Batman's sympathy for him because that's his friend. He wants to win his friend back. It's not just some Arkham inmate. It's a guy that Batman knows exactly how smart he is and what good he's capable of. And uh, boy, what a what a pickle that puts Batman in every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I the um you know the Aaron Eckhart uh version of mm-hmm. two you can't he's like two faced for like ten minutes during the movie, but I mean the 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 one line that sticks with me every time is it's not about what's right it's about what's fair mm-hmm. and that's like oh man that's two faced right there yeah <laughs> yes that's awesome very cool thank you so much Tony uh. We have had a jam-packed show with a lot of stuff. Right. And we even had to cut out a bunch of stuff. I, we didn't even go through our hot and snots because that would have taken a literal another 45 Literally. minutes. Literally. Which we would not have time for. You have no idea so, what I wrote down for hot slash snot. Well, stay we'll, tuned. We'll have to make for, it a whole, whole nother episode. Stay tuned for the sequel where Tony T gets his hot and snot in finally. Oh, man. Uh, it has been so fun. Thank you so much, Tony, for hopping on the show with us. Um, Absolute pleasure. Yeah. Why don't you give us just a little plug where we can find you on the Internet, uh, what you're doing these days, uh, anything that you want to promote. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, I host a little show called The Nerd of Godcast, which after five years, we just put into a uh, you can call it a hiatus. You could say we pulled the plug on it. Uh, we have ceased to be as a show for the moment. Uh, we're regrouping, reforming, redreaming and uh, repositioning ourselves for whatever the next iteration is. So uh, if you want to look for me, you can find us nerdofgodcast.com. You can check me out on Twitter. That's where we hang out, Nerd of God cast, or uh, our Facebook small group, which is the Nerd of God Squad. If you send us a little invite request, we're going to let you in. We're pretty indiscriminate there, so you can come out and uh, share some memes and live your dreams in the Nerd of God Squad on Facebook. But uh, yeah, just doing ministry, uh, loving nerds, geeks, gamers. That's what we're all about. We want to bring the gospel to the game stops and the comic shops and uh, just let people know that faith and fandom don't have to be mutually exclusive. So that's what we're all about. So check us out, Nerd of God cast and uh, be part of the fun. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, I mean, congratulations on that run too, man. Like I, I hopped on, uh, I think probably around episode 90 ish okay. um, of your guys's podcast. And it has been an absolute joy to listen to. Thank the you. Nerd of God cast. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, it's it's an awesome podcast. Definitely go and check that out. Check out t- Tony T. It's uh it's me Tony T. It's me Tony Twitter, T on the Twitter, yeah. There you go. Um so uh thank you guys so much uh for joining us today. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we appreciate everything that uh, you do for the Infinity Bros universe. Uh Zane, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. You did a wonderful job. Thank you. And Tony, last uh, chance to get a word in. What do you want to say to the Infinity Bros universe? Uh, let me say this. If you have been a listener to the Infinity Bros, I don't normally do this kind of stuff, but I want to I want to do this right now. Um, compliments to you guys for making a, a quality podcast, which 
in the world of podcasts, that's more rare than it should be. Uh, a very listenable and enjoyable podcast, uh, but not only one that is produced well, so compliments to to Max, although he couldn't be here tonight. That takes a lot of work to put out a quality-sounding episode, uh, but one that I will sit and listen to and actually be mad that I'm not part of the conversation because I want to jump in so much, and, and that's great. That level of engagement is awesome. You guys are really doing it right here, and if you're a listener, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. Uh, this is this is where the tasty juice is. So I'm I'm really really honored to be a part, and uh, I would love it from the bottom of my heart if you would consider me an, an honorary long distance infinity cousin somewhere. <laughs> yes, we we do have many uh, honorary infinity bros. So consider yourself uh, part of the honorary infinity bro. We got infinity mom, so why not have an infinity cousin? All ah, right, like, so yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah, you 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 made your own title there infinity cousin you are now the infinity cousin of the infinity bros universe so thank you both guys and thank you for the kind words honestly like man that is so awesome uh that you appreciate our our show and and the hard work that max puts into editing because i honestly i'm like i i see what max does every week and i'm like so if Max doesn't edit the podcast, do we just stop? Do we just are we done then? Yes. Are, are the we answer just is yes. Done as a podcast, you then, are. Then yes. So then every episode is live on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's gonna be after what what it what it is. So also, by the way, stay tuned for that because there is gonna be some things coming uh hopefully on our twitch so um man thank you guys both for being uh part of this episode thank you infinity bros universe for uh watching and listening wherever you're listening however you're listening we appreciate you and we love you 3000 bye Bye. thanks for tuning in to the infinity bros podcast you can find the infinity bros on facebook instagram and twitter at the infinity bros Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.